we are live for the 115th episode of the Bronx Marble Battle Podcast, brought to you by Six Pack Coverage. I'm your host, Matt Loves Luigi, and tonight it's Andrew and I. Andrew, I'm not even going to ask how we're doing because we, our baseball team has won nine games in a row and have the best record in baseball as we sit here on the first night of May. So, God Go damn, figure that, going, man. <laughs> things are going good. And look, I, and I said this, and look, I'm. Like, keep in mind, this is going to be the theme of the whole show. We're not jumping ahead of ourselves. We still are very aware of the teams the Yankees have been playing. And, you know, look, like I said to Andrew before the show, I get it. It's the Orioles, it's the Guardians, it's the Royals. I get it. But look, we weren't doing this the last few years, right? It seemed like any time we played these teams, we'd either drop a game or you'd have that lackluster series. So, hey, beating up on the bad teams, I'm enjoying it, right? This is what good teams are supposed to do. It's shit. This is how the Rays won the division last year, right? By going 17 and one against the worst team in our division, right? So that's that's what great teams do is beating the teams you're supposed to be. And damn, the Yankees have been doing that, man. They're currently 16 and six, like we said, nine wins in a row. They went six and oh this week. Um, you know, the problem before this week, Andrew, was really the bats, right? Because, you know, the Yankees were winning games, but you know, 4-2, 3-1. It was really just the pitching that was carrying us, right? The rotation's been great. The bullpen's been great. But this week, the bats woke up. Um, you know, obviously, like Rizzo and Judge, the two leaders in the AL home runs right now, they've been on fire this week. Obviously, Rizzo, the three-home run game. Judge had a two-home run game today. I mean, it, it was just – I mean, this was probably the – I mean, shit, probably one of the most fun weeks of Yankees baseball that there's been in the last few years, easily. It's been fun, man. Uh, like like you said, we we started the year, okay, uh, they took f- uh, four to seven against good competition, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Pitching's been awesome throughout the course of the season, but certainly there was, I don't want to call it resentment, but there was definitely some lingering we, we we were just hesitant about how we felt about this team just because the offense was very reminiscent of what we saw last year, right? They they had the inability to come through with a big hit when runners in the scoring position. They were very home runner bust. Uh, they were striking out a bunch. They weren't that crisp in the field either. And something changed uh, over the past two weeks. And and again, you you noted it's it hasn't been the best of competition, but they played really sharp in the field. They're coming through, getting clutch hits. They've had a, a number of, of come-from-behind wins. And, and you look at even the, the starts where the, the pitchers aren't flat-out dominant, they're they're battling, they're grinding. They're not having those blow-up outings that we're accustomed to. So all all these things add up to to what you, you got. It's a 16-6 and six record, the best record in Major League Baseball, a team that's fun to watch on a nightly basis again, right? We're not just dreading putting the game on. We feel obligated to watch because we're fans, but we're not enjoying ourselves. Like, they're actually fun again. Yeah, that's the main thing is like, wow, this is actually a fun team to watch. Like, like I just I was saying before the show, like today's win. Right. And we're going to go through each game. But today's win it was such a we it was such a win. We're not accustomed to right with how they were scoring. those runs. Obviously, Judge had, you know, two home runs, which we're very accustomed to that. One of them being an absolute bomb dead center in the first inning. But. You know, then you have like Judge has the check swing, you know, fielder's choice that gets a run in. Then, you know, the grounder to short that gets a run in. Just, the, you know, we had a couple sack flies this weekend, right? Like just playing small ball. And I do think that Kiner Falefa is a big part of that. I do really think like I, you know, I'm I'm already starting to eat crow because I was really I really was against so against getting him. And, you know, for various reasons, right, not getting the big name, getting kind of like the quote unquote cheaper, safer, safer option. But Man, he's been awesome, right? He leads our team in batting. He's hitting that 300 clip. I mean, you know, obviously still doesn't have any home runs. Like, obviously the power just isn't there. But, I mean, man, he's been playing great ball. He's been playing great in the field. I mean, he runs the bases really well. Like, he's really just like a, you know, a trendsetter. He's really, a, like, really gets the team going. And, like, like a guy like that is contagious, right? Like other guys see a guy like that pl- playing like the way he does, and it's really just like a so so contagious to the rest of the team like he's been awesome he really hasn't like I was saying like I was saying before the show I mean like Rizzo and Judge I mean look obviously a lot of look let's just ignore a lot of Rizzo's home runs are a product of the short porch but that's something we all knew and said last year like man imagine the full season of Rizzo at Yankee Stadium right like how many home runs are just gonna get out by the you know hair skin of their teeth like that he's been He's been awesome. Obviously, we all know what he brings in the field, but 
yeah, man, it's just this team is fun. And we even in the first couple weeks of the season, like we really weren't feeling like that, I feel like, because like they were winning some games and they had the good record, but it just still wasn't fun. The offense wasn't there. It was very, you know, very like the offense was just very nauseating to watch, right? Very reminiscent of the past. But I mean, this yeah, week, look, re- I'm going to I'm going to be I'm just going to just own my own my own fault here. Uh, certainly guilty <laughs> of that. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I think part of it was just really hard to let go of that sour taste that was left in our mouth from the team last year. Uh, yeah, they were winning early in the year, but the, I know you can't, you can't dictate exactly how you're going to win the games, right? As fans, right? You got to just be happy with, with any win you can get, take it, move it on to the next day and hope you can you show some improvement, which they have. But I definitely felt like there was some resentment over the core guys who were struggling early in the year after they struggled last year too. So guys like Aaron Hicks, Glaber Torres, Joey Gallo, who were all really, really underperforming at the start of the year. And to an extent, some of them still are now, but yeah, I was about to it say, was really hard to, to let go. Yeah. It was just hard to, to accept the fact that it was a new season and you got to give these guys a clean slate because look, the, the team didn't do what, we may have wanted them to do in the off season to kind of change the culture. We've said multiple times throughout the off season, you can't really just run it back with the same team that didn't get out of the wild card game last year and expect different results. And, and to an extent, like you said, they, they got brought in guys like Isaiah Kaffalefa, they brought in Josh Donaldson, uh, they retooled the pitching staff, but the core guys in the, in the lineup were still there. And to see a lot of the same results through the first two weeks of the season, I think we were all just stuck in 2021 mode and we couldn't, really get out of that so it's been really nice to, to actually get a palate cleanser in the past few weeks and, and yeah winning cures all but the, the way they're winning the way they're playing even even if they don't win is just refreshing well really because like let's not forget the first 15 games of the season like this team did not score more than five runs in a you know a nine in a game right so it was really like despite like i said despite the record being really good there was still like that kind of boring brand of baseball. We were kind of just very lackluster, very mundane about the team. But yeah, like you said, winning cures all and offensive explosions cure all. Like let's just, you know, go really quickly. We're not going to spend too much time on each game, but real quickly just recap each game. Uh, the game was Tuesday night. Obviously, the Yankees were off Monday, playing the O's Tuesday. And Anthony Rizzo, right? He's been around for almost 10 years. His first three home run game. Um <laughs> he's just he really is just so awesome to have on our team man I mean like he's one of those guys a great clubhouse guy obviously he's you know won a world series he knows what it takes to be a part of a championship team and like we said Matt like I just said before on the show that right field short porch Yankee Stadium was just made for his swing and I mean that was it was really cool seeing him get three home runs for the first time in his career on Monday or on Tuesday night yeah, and look, and you, you got Gallo finally hit his first home run of the year. Uh, and then you had Luis Severino carrying a perfect game into the the fifth inning. Uh, obviously, things kind of toned down and didn't really go his way as he finished the outing. Could, I couldn't but, believe that ball got out. Uh, I'm forgetting, blanking who hit it right now, but that three-run shot that got out to the left. I oh, the Santander three-run yeah, home run, right? I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I just remember it was one that it did not look like it was going out. I think they brought. Yeah, the it was. It would look like a, a soft fly ball to yeah. left field and clear that. Yeah, so it was Anthony Santander, mm. um, and, and that was actually the, I want to say maybe the second hit of the game for them because you had, um, I, th- I think he walked someone, maybe Jorge Mateo, or Mateo may have gotten a single to break up the the no hitter, and and Sevi's control was. Okay, that game. He hadn't really walked anyone until the fifth or sixth inning, but uh, that that was a really weird one. And, and you look at a lot of the balls that guys have, have hit. The couple that Stanton hit a couple weeks ago that like we were sure were twenty rows deep and died on the track, but the one against Baltimore, the one against uh, Toronto, and then there was uh, two that Josh Donaldson had hit too. One against Cleveland, mm-hmm. I think last Friday night, and then one earlier that game. And you're thinking to yourself, like, how the hell does a ball like that get out when we're murdering the ball and it's not going anywhere? So I think there's that's the whole other issue we can we could say for another podcast. Like MLB still has no integrity in what they're doing with the balls. They they're still flip flopping which the juiced or non juiced. They say that everything's in a human order this year, but like the results clearly don't back that up. Uh, but yeah, Tuesday night's game finally had a massive offensive explosion. And, and I say finally, but like they did that on Sunday 
afternoon too against Cleveland to complete that sweep. So back-to-back games, double digits. We're sitting here watching home like, who the hell are these guys? Yeah, and it was the funniest thing about like the Yankees having these all these offensive explosions. Like their offense went from rank like I think tenth in the AL to now like you know, top three in the AL, right? And that's you know so early in the season you score ten, twelve, and uh, twelve within like the span of six games. Like, that's gonna happen, right? So yeah, they they really switched up quick. I think they're third in the MLB in runs now. So like all of a sudden those offensive problems just like that are gone with a few offensive outbursts like they had. Um, Tuesday was also Judge's 30th birthday. He went deep for that in his uh, last step out of the game. That was also nice seeing because the, the O's scored eight. They scored all eight of their runs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning that game, right? Like Licky came, like Sevy, they started touching him up. They, uh, you know, Holmes worked a scoreless inning, but then Licky came in and got ripped. So it was nice seeing the Yankees kind of just, you know, score those tack on runs. Because I, I, I'm like, I hate when people say like, oh, you know, that's a, I'm, I'm blanking on the term right now. Oh, but that's like a cheap shot, right? That doesn't mean anything. It's a garbage time home run. But man, you just never know what, what's going to be a garbage time home run, right? You could be up three, hit a two run shot, and then the other team scores three or four in the next inning. So, man, with the with the way the Yankees have had offensive struggles the last few years, like there's no such thing as garbage time home runs to me, right? It's always a good time to hit a home run or get some extra runs across. Um, another big theme of this week that, you know, we got to talk about, I mean, Garrett Cole, fully back, right? I mean, that two starts in a row where he's gone sh- uh, shut out. Um, He's looked really damn good after it was looking pretty bleak after that uh, Tiger start. But so it's really good to see our uh, our big our big price ace be back and better than ever. Yeah, for for Garrett, uh, I think you know we're, we're tough on him because of the contract he has and the expectations he has. But as fans, we forget that you you look at his career stats and he's never been a good April pitcher, like in his entire career. Even that, that year that he should have won the Cy Young with Houston, I think he had like a three or four ERA in, in April and then allowed like six earned runs over like his next 10 starts combined right. or something like that. So he always starts slow, right? But that game in, in Detroit was was very concerning in the fact that he went from not walking anyone last year. He has the longest streak in baseball without like between walking uh, guys. Or, or what was it, like the longest consecutive uh, strikeout streak without a walk to start the season or, right. or something like that. Uh, and then he walks like three guys in one inning. He has no idea where his pitchers are going. I get it was really cold that night, but it, it was really concerning. And then for him to come out and, and dominate uh, against Cleveland last week. And then it looked okay uh, last night, uh, Saturday night uh, against Kansas City. Like his, his, his stat line looks pretty good. But I, I, if you asked him how, how he threw the ball, I bet you, tell, I bet you he would tell you that he could have improved on a bunch of things, but but ultimately he is starting to work his way back into shape and, and certainly having your ace in form middle of the season is exactly what you need to win. Yeah, it's just so great to see because, like I said, after that Detroit start, it really did feel like rock bottom, right? Like there really were like the kind of questions and the thoughts that creep in like, damn, does, was this guy just like a spider tack merchant? Like, does this guy just, this guy just not that good? Like what's going on here? But yeah, man. Uh, I think they said it was like the first time in his career he went like back-to-back starts of like six innings plus no runs and like five plus strikeouts, I believe, which is a bit surprising. You'd think with all his like crazy Houston stretches, he would have had like, you know, back-to-back shutouts like that, but I guess not. Um, so, yeah, obviously the Yankees, you know, great type callback, but Andrew, let's talk about the real ace of this rotation. Uh, Nasty Nestor Cortez uh, just continues to be absolutely dominant. Um 28 strikeouts this year in 20 and two thirds innings. I mean, he, it's like almost, I feel like last year he was almost like, you know, kind of like more like a folk hero, right? He, you know, funky pitches, all that. Like, but, you know, obviously he had like a great stretch, but like his numbers still weren't like amazing. But man, if Mester keeps this up, man, like he might be looking at an all star appearance. He's been phenomenal. I mean, just, it's, and it's so awesome watching him, you know, guy throwing low 90s and, today's MLB where it seems like everyone is throwing at least mid nineties and he's just throwing low nineties, locating, switching it up, mixing it up. Like he's, he's easily one of my, probably my favorite pitcher to watch on this team right now. I mean, he's like, I said, like we joke about it, but like, you know, he's, he's been our best pitcher. He's been our ace this season so far. No, obviously no offense to Cole cause he's been great, but yeah, I mean, just, it's so, it's been so awesome watching Nestor. And I mean, he had another great start against the Royals this weekend and yeah, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon, man. Like you, 
like you were saying, he's, his K per nine is better than Cole's right now, right? 12.2. I mean, just absolutely insane for Nestor. No, you're, you're spot on. Alex and I were talking about this last week on the podcast, how his success in 2021 seemed to an extent gimmicky, right? And yeah, it was like me, me, if- like, oh, like, you know, the Otani at bat, it's fun, quirky. But, like, now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wait, this guy's, like, actually legitimately really fucking yeah. good. Yeah, so like, it, he showed that... Like when he first started doing it, you figured like this guy is not a good pitcher and he 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 needs to do this stuff to survive. But at this point, like the results speak for themselves. And even if he does need to do these weird, quirky things to find success, who gives a crap? It's working, right? Like exactly. The it's guy like, bro, my, my fastball sitting at like 91, bro. Like I got to do something that's going to like throw guys off, right? And different arm angles, different motions. Like, yeah, man, it's – it's like I always said, like if you're out there, it's almost like being really short in basketball. Like you better be like the most skilled player ever if you're going to be like under six foot and try to make it in the NBA. Right. It's in baseball. If you're a pitcher, if you're sitting at 90, low 90s, high 80s, like guess what? You better have pinpoint accuracy. You better have like the best off speed repertoire ever. Right. You better know how to fucking pitch to guys, know how to work count. Like you have to just have be perfect in every other aspect when you don't have that velocity and you really can't blow up by guys. Right. And yeah. And, and to his credit, he, he actually has learned how to pitch like very effectively. Oh, absolutely. So he's, he's hitting spots. He's, he's throwing the right pitch uh, in the right counts, catching hitters off guard, working to, to location. And ultimately he's not just throwing darts out there right, to, to be weird and quirky anymore. Like he actually is pitching. Uh, so, so that's certainly encouraging. And like, the, what can you say about how how much success he he's had to start this year? Uh, averaging more than one strikeout per inning, has the lowest WHIP on, on the team among all starters. And look, he I don't believe he even got the win in his last start on on Friday just because of where where the score was. But the guy is just so much fun every time he takes the mound. And you mentioned that he. Came up last that, year as, as, that as, as like a folk legend, but like now we love him because he's good. <laughs> yeah, no, that diving play at first he had, I'm forgetting exactly. I believe that was in the Guardian series, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that was awesome. Like, yeah, man, he's just such a fun guy. And like like we were saying, like he really is just knows how to pitch, knows how to work counts, I, the different arm angles, different windups. It's just so awesome to watch. Like he, like really, it's he. Nestor is just like the classic guy you see if you're in like a YouTube wormhole. You'll see like, oh, is this like the quirkiest pitcher ever, right? With like all like the weird emojis all over the thumbnail. But yeah, man, I mean, it's been really awesome watching Nestor. And like I said, it's you know still early May, like All Star, you know, starters, especially for uh, pitchers, it's still way too early to determine that. But Nestor keeps this up, man. He'll be, he'll be. Uh, I'm not sure where the All Star game is this year, but he'll be there. Um, and I, and I want to clarify, he 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 did come away with the win on on Friday night. Um, yeah, I was thinking. Gave him, certainly gave him enough front support. Um, someone who doesn't get any run support. I don't know if this is where you were going next, but Jordan Montgomery is is pitching <laughs> his, his dick off again this year too, and continues to get no run support. So I feel for that guy. Is he race under it three? It really is. Uh, Jordan's. He's another guy where like he doesn't have the kind of stuff that you're like, wow, this guy should be really awesome. But he knows he just knows how to pitch. Like he knows what he's good at. He he knows how to attack hitters at this point. And he's he's just finding success wherever he can get it. Now the team just needs to back him up with some runs. Like he still doesn't have a win on the season, and we saw it all last year. So uh hey, offense, let's uh let's give Jordan some help yeah. next time. Yeah, 2.7 ERA, 0.95 whip so far for Gumby. Still zero wins. Uh, it was the craziest thing about that was before his last start, because even though he got a no decision in his uh, last start, like they still won the game. Before that, his three previous starts, the Yankees were 0-3 in his starts. And he had a 2.5 ERA in those three starts, and they were still 0-3 in those games. So, yeah, just wild. I mean, just the, like the yeah, he, he everyone in the clubhouse must hate him because they just never score for him year after year. It's unbelievable. I think, like, I forget they showed this out. He has, like, the second worst run support in baseball in the last, like, few years. And the other, I think, like, the number one was, I think, John Means, who's obviously plays for it or pitches for a terrible team. So that makes sense, right? It's not like they have anything against that against John Means. They just don't score for anyone in Baltimore, right? So, Poor one yeah. out for John Means getting Tommy yeah, John. Tommy John surgery. Guy. Yeah, great. He's a great pitcher. Really sucks. Hopefully he comes back strong. But, I mean, look, at this point, like, if Gumby and Tyone, like, those are the two guys at the bottom of your rotation, man. You are you are doing real well. I mean, Tyone, 
Tyone's had kind of like a weird year because like, you know, tw- I feel like he's been hit around a, like a bit more than you'd want him to, right? 22 hits in 19 and third innings, but hey man, 3.26 ERA, uh, you know, four starts. He doesn't, he does, it's weird. He doesn't have a quality start yet, right? He really hasn't given the Yankees a ton of distance, but I mean, you know, look, if that's like your four, whatever you want to say, like, you know, if he's, or he's the fourth or Gumby is like, those are the two guys at the bottom of your rotation. Like, and they're pitching like that, right, with that, like, basically a three ERA clip, you are doing real well. And, I mean, yeah, we and have... with J-Mo, we, we saw what he was able to do last year when he, when he got on a hot streak. Uh, there was, like, a month or two stretch where it probably coincided right where right where they took away Spider Tech and Garrett kind of had to figure out how to pitch without it. And his numbers went up a little bit where I, with J- Jameson was actually the best pitcher on the team for, like, a three- to five-week stretch. Uh, I think it was right around May into June, maybe if I'm remembering correctly. But like, look, like like you said, he hasn't had a like a dominant outing yet. But if that's your number five guy, he if he stays healthy all year, just grind out starts, give you four, five, maybe six innings, keep the the damage limited to maybe three runs tops. Like if he gets hit hit around, whatever. Uh, the offense has shown some resilience in in recent weeks where even if they fall behind, as long as it's not like down six, nothing that they can come back and at least tie the game. And in most cases is win. So you just got to keep the, the opposition close and, and tie on to his credit. Hasn't looked like he's really found his groove yet, but he's kept the Yankees in every game he's pitched. Yeah. I feel like him and I feel like he's, po- he's uh, approaching Gumby territory where, I mean, I'm, he has to prove he's as consistent as Gumby because with Gumby, I feel like, and he's been better than this this year at his credit, but like for the last few years, every time Gumby goes out, like it's like, all right, he's going to give us five innings, two runs, or like six innings, three runs, or, you know, but he, you know what you're going to get out of Gumby, right? He's not going to go seven innings, shut out 12 strikeouts, but, you know, he's not going to, you know, give up seven runs and like and be out after an inning or two, right? Like, you know, he's going to give you a few innings and, you know, he's probably going to give up a couple runs. And that's where Ty owns being. And like I keep saying, those are your two bottom rotation guys, man. And they, they're putting up numbers. So it's awesome to see. But, Another guy putting up numbers and like before we we're going to get to our first bullpen trust list of the year. But real quickly, before we get to that, uh, Andrew, uh, I don't think Aaron Judge is uh, is worth two hundred fifteen million dollars. Uh, yeah, he's I, worth more. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think he the big old judgey may have may have had a point because uh, look, that's look, it's going to be a tie like like we said before the season started. Right. Like the day that it was determined that, you know, the contract extension wasn't going to happen right and the you know they try to brush it off like oh it won't be a you know won't be a concern we're not going to talk about it. look and we all knew it was going to be kind of just like a cloud over this team all year right and especially now that judge is he's looking like you know vintage judge right he's absolutely i, mean, I believe he has like the highest barrel percentage in the league right now uh he's just currently eight home runs second in the, in the league only behind or second in the al only behind his teammate rizzo uh, OPS over a thousand after today. Like he's his war is almost, I believe, at point nine right now. He's just been awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, in the field making like I feel like every throw Judge makes in the field is like a strike, right? Like any like even if it's like you know even if the runner's safe, like his arm is just so accurate. It's not even like his arm strength. It's just his throws are and it's so effortlessly accurate. It's unbelievable. Like, like, like I'm, I'm he always doesn't look like he's that. getting like full wind up. He just kind of. Like does when, a little crow hop, throws it. the ball in. When's the last time you saw a Judge make a throw that was like way offline, right? Like I he doesn't always get that. He doesn't always like you know because like they were. I was looking at like at like you know average like velocity for outfielders, and he's kind of like middle of the pack range. Like his arm strength isn't like crazy, but it really is. It's just the fact that like dude, he's literally throwing a strike like 200 feet away to the second baseman or third, you know, whoever he's throwing to almost every time. So, but look, yeah, he's. He's probably worth way more than 215. Like, yeah, I think I know we were mad at the time that he turned it down. What, but like, you kind of understand why. And you know, let alone the fact that he's arguably the face of baseball, right? He's in the most popular player and the best player for the New York Yankees. So, yeah, he probably believes that his market value dictates, you know, him being paid a lot more more than the Yankees were offering now. Yeah, obviously so look, there's he, the injury concerns he, and he's 30, but I mean, you do see where he was coming from. And when he's hitting the ball like this, he really, he really can't blame the guy and his team. Yeah, he didn't get off to the, the best of starts this year. And 
you mentioned, like, did the, the contract situation have some kind of residual effect on him psychologically? And the answer is possible, right? Like, we, we don't know for sure. Uh, yeah, I bet you he would he would deny it, but I think there's a good chance that he was either aggravated or at least thinking about it, right? Knowing that he's gambling on himself, that you you start off hitting 150 in the first week of the season or whatever it was, and you're like, oh, geez, is this going to be a bad year? Am I going to spiral out of control, and then I'm not going to get paid the contract that they, they offer me? What happens if I get hurt? You got a lot of things going through your mind. And, and Alex and I were talking about this last week where his numbers weren't bad, per se. I, I, he had that two-home run game last Friday against Cleveland to help them win that game. But outside of that, he he chipped in a couple doubles, but he wasn't exactly like hitting the cover off the ball. And I actually said that I was, he was one of the more disappointing bats in the lineup, not because he was playing poorly per se, but just because you expect him to be this big bruiser that he wasn't quite being yet. Well, update, things changed really fast this week. I think he hit what? <laughs> four or five home runs this week. Uh, he's getting big hits a- any which way. Uh, he's just like a- an absolute force in the middle of the lineup. Uh, you saw even like he missed one game on Saturday and this, the offense just seemed like they were lacking a little bit of an edge. And then he comes back today and it's two home runs. So <laughs> yeah, we were worried about his ability to live up to the contract that he turned down when he was playing a little below his, his potential earlier in the year. But like now, if he can keep this up all year, first of all, we're going to be the benefits of it, right? Like him hitting second or third in our lineup. That's awesome. Right. And then, yeah, is he going to get the contract he desires? Sure. And he deserves every penny of it if so. Yeah. And like I, like I was saying before, look, obviously, you know, we just said before it was judge's birthday last week. It was 30th birthday. So he is getting up there. He's a big guy. The injury issues you do understand, but look, like I think it really just comes down to like the fact that you just have to look at it. Like, look, if we give Judge, you know, six, seven, eight year deal, is he probably going to be completely washed and almost unplayable by the last couple of years? Probably. Right. Like it's just something you have to face. Right. But the next four or five years, let's say a judge, if he's like at or close to this level, like we can't afford to lose this guy. Right. Like we and, and like let alone the fact that like it's it's not just like it's not just a guy who's like not marketable. Like judge is so marketable. And that like, that is such, that is such a big thing in New York, right? When you, you're the face of the New York Yankees, like you just like the Yankees just can't let judge walk. Right. They really just can't. I mean, if he, if he came out this year and hit 180 with like 15 home runs, right. Like it'd be a completely different story. Then you say, Oh, you know, he he's hurt or whatever. Then you could argue like, okay, maybe we shouldn't give him this big contract, but I mean, Look, if judge was, had that kind of year this year. Uh, the Yankees would have far bigger problems than not signing him. <laughs> so I, it almost would even would almost just like get buried under like, well, the Yankees were a disaster this year. They couldn't hit for crap again. They finished in fourth place. Oh, look, Aaron Judge signed with the Dodgers, whoever else, like who gives a crap. At right. Point, right. Like if he has an awesome year and we go deep in the playoffs and then he walks, it's a way bigger talking point as opposed to mm-hmm. if he has a really bad season and we suck and then he leaves anyway. Yeah. But, you know, obviously – it's something that, you know, judge isn't going anywhere right now. It's Cause that was something we were like, we were, there was a literally a possibility where we said to ourselves like, man, cause we really were scared. Like before the season started, like we were legitimately scared that like this team was going to be bad. Right. It was just going to, everything was just going to blow up in this team's face and we we're going to be like below 500. And let's you know, if we were like seven, eight games, let's say below 500 middle of June, there was a good chance that like judge would be on the trade market. Like, that was in the realm of possibility. Like, it seems almost crazy now that this team's, like, you know, best record in baseball, judge, you know, two home runs today. It's just, like, everything's going great, nine in a row. But that was, like, in the realm of possibility. It was like, wow, like, they may have to look into trading judge if this team isn't that good this year because you don't want to lose them for nothing, right? But looks like we avoided that for now. But, you know, we're definitely not out of the woods yet, right? There's still a lot of baseball left to play. A lot of things could happen. But for now, we're, we're enjoying our uh, – our unofficial captain just absolutely tearing the cover off the baseball. Um, you know who's not tearing the cover off the baseball, Andrew? Is it Glaber Torres? <laughs> well, him. Well, to his credit, he did have a home run this weekend. But who's <laughs> not tearing the cover off the baseball? It was whoever's behind the plate for the New York Yankees. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now, now, obviously, this is something we all like knew and you know accept, accept that look. 
you know, Gary kind of spoiled us a bit as, you know, bad as lackluster as he was behind the plate. He was a very good offensive catcher and he gave us a very good offense. Like even sometimes in, <laughs> even, even in his down years though, like he would still put out 20, 25 home runs, right. Which is pretty yeah. good, like above average production for a catcher. And I think it's you know, so funny so many, how like we were, how so mad many, we were mm-hmm. about Gary hitting like 180. And then you look up at Ed Higgy's <laughs> hitting 136 right now. Like we were like, like Gary, cause you know, he's, fat and lazy yeah. and makes all these errors behind the plate, blah, blah. You know, all the, the, the cliche boomer crap that you well, hear. But, like, the offensive production, that, like, what Higgy's doing pales in comparison to that, right? And, like, is he a good behind the plate? Yeah. Uh, he's already lost his, quote-unquote, primary catcher, personal catcher status with yeah. Garrett Cole. <laughs> Torino's caught him twice in a row, so who the hell knows what's going on there? But, yeah, there's no production back there at all. <laughs> yeah. But, like, here's the thing. Like, I feel like even with, like, going as far back as, like, Posada, like, the Yankees for so many years have just had, like, above-average production offensively, right, for their, from their catching position. So, like, even this year, just looking at, like, you know, tr- I mean, Trevino and Higashioka, neither have hit a home run yet, right? Between, I think they have, like, 68 at-bats between them and 11 hits. So, three extra base hits. So, you know, it's been, been like, basically no production, but... They, they've both, I mean, Higgy's, you know, let some balls by and had some some bad moments. But overall, they've been pretty damn productive behind the plate. And obviously, Trevino, but with his framing, is just insane. I mean, you've already seen, like, the, you know, effects of that in a lot of these games. I mean, th- that between that and some of these umpires being absolutely awful, um, the combination of both. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something that we all expected. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I, I was not fooled by the Higgy spring training leading, leading spring training at home runs this year. I, I fully no, like I made a point of, of tweeting and calling him the king of spring because that's yeah. what we called Greg Bird. And like, I knew damn yeah. well that like, this is all the facade right here. Like this isn't actually who he is. Yeah. Well, uh, I nice. thought maybe he'd be like a 200 hitter with occasional home run pop instead of uh, an offensive black hole, but w- whatever. Hopefully he comes around, <laughs> but it's certainly not there right now. Yeah, um, Higgy currently has a negative 0.5 WAR, so uh, yeah, not not a not a good first month of the season for Higgy. But like I said, the the defensive uh, behind the plate defensively, the Yankees have been great, and yeah, that's really all that matters. Um, Andrew, you ready for your bullpen trust list? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Um, what do you want to do? I think we may both have the same exact list. So I'm just going to say my list first. And I think we have the same five guys, but the order may be a little different. Okay, so I'm just going to go – I'm just going to say my list right now. I'll go from five to one. Number five, I got Miguel Castro. Yep. Number four, I got Chappie. Number three, I got Lasagna. Two, I got Clay. And then one, I got – the goat himself, Mike King. Is you is you this is the same list? Yeah, I'm trying same. to I'm going through the guys here. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I probably have have the same guys. I think I'm gonna put Chapman too, even though I hate myself for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because he's still the closer and you had mentioned in the pre show as we're looking at these stats, like as as uncomfortable as you felt with him on the mound at the points, he still has a zero ERA. Technically blown a save yet. Yeah. He's six for six in save opportunities. Uh, the seven walks and nine innings are definitely concerning, but uh, I, I'll put him up there. But yeah, Mike King for me is number one. Chapman two, Clay Holmes three, Low Isaac a four, and Castro five. Yeah, like lasagna, I wanted to put him too, but I just couldn't because, like, you know, he's 6 CRA right now. I still have, like, that's the thing. Like, the bullpen trust list, it's almost not even about numbers. It's literally just who you trust. And lasagna's been so good the last few years that I, he could have a bad month, and I still trust him in a lot of these spots. Um, Remember when you used to do bullpen trust list and Zach Britton was in them? F? F. Uh, I was just thinking, because I'm, like, going through the names, and I was just, like, thinking about him. I'm like, man, he was so good for a few years. G's favorite relief pitcher. <laughs> Noticeably absent from both our lists, though, is Chad Green. Yep. Yep. Uh, and do you want to talk about him? Like, there's really not a ton to say. Yeah. But... You know, and look, I'm somebody that like has defended Chad Green over the years, always liked Chad. But, you know, he's at this point, especially with all the other, you know, younger, newer arms the Yankees have in this bullpen, Chad Green should, he should just be, a, you know, a mop up guy. He should be the guy brought in. All right, it's a 6-2 game, fifth inning. Okay, let's bring in Chad, eat a couple innings, right? He shouldn't be used in high-leverage situations anymore. 
Like, you know, three, four years ago when he used to just try to use that fast, his fastball had a couple more, you know, miles per hour on it, a little bit more zip. Man, his fastball is just so flat and slow now. And look, if you're th- like, <laughs> if you're throwing like low mid nineties on average in your fastball, like you probably should be a starter. Like it seems like every, almost every reliever, unless you have like crazy arm angle or just like crazy off beat stuff, almost every reliever is throwing high nineties, you know. And like Chad Green just is throwing, you know, sitting at ninety four, thinking he could just blow blow it by guys. Like, look, it just don't work like that anymore, man. This is not nineteen. Yeah, the thing with Chad Green. That that helped him actually be successful a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly, he had that that battle. What was it? 2019 when he actually got demoted because his year yeah. was like 16 in April. Uh, it was like that an, that Angels appearance was like his last appearance. Oh God, yeah, I still demoted. remember that. But yep. but like why he came up and had so much success to start in like 2017. Remember when he really rose up Joe Girardi's bullpen at that point. Uh, and was the first guy to the bullpen when Severino struggled in the wild card game. Yeah, that was he got that the wild long card stride. Game. Yep. So the, the the ball plays faster, uh, and then he had really high revs on on his fastball, and it almost had like a, a rising appearance, right? Now certainly everyone throws the ball with with high revolutions now. So in comparison, whatever advantage he may have had at that point, the the league's caught up to him. Other pitchers have caught up to him. So I just don't think he has that competitive advantage that he may have had a couple of years ago. And, and like you said, his fastballs getting flat the velocity is not where it used to be we used to be able to throw 96 97 now we sit 94 95 it, it it sucks because like i i want this guy to still be awesome but he's either really really good when he comes in or like he just gets bombed and there's no in between but that's the thing like if they like if if they just used him properly right like if they keep putting him in situations where it's like all right one run game in the eighth inning and here comes chad green against like the heart of a team good team's lineup then guess what it's probably not going to go well but if they use him in situations like i said mop up rolls kind of eating innings and i know like you know confidence wise that probably you know wouldn't be great for him he's but like look that's just what it is man like clay holmes Velazquez, king like these guys are just better pitchers than you at this point that's you know that's the way of the world man usually the shelf life for a relief pitcher is usually like a smaller window right you usually have like those two three years where you're like at your top and then you kind of fall off like it's just it's what it is like he's still a solid piece in our bullpen right he could like i said he could still eat innings he could still kind of do mop like if chad like i feel like chad green is a guy that if he's in your bullpen kind of as like a mop-up role type of guy that's a good position. Now, if he's one of your, like, your two, three best arms, you're fucked, right? Like, that's, that's just not where you want to be. But, yeah. Which, like, thankfully, I, think, I don't think we're, we're at there anymore because no. of the rise of Clay Holmes, right. the rise of Jonathan Lewisica last year. Castro's been really good. And certainly mm-hmm. Michael King just shoving this year. So, yeah, uh, it, it's at a point where we don't, like, need to throw out Chad Green 70 games a year, which, to Boone's discredit, he did kind of abuse him in the past two yeah. years, like, he was his go-to guy in any situation. Any he kind of had that stigma being the fireman, like bring him in with two guys on and no out because you needed a strikeout. Well, guess what? He's not really a strikeout guy anymore. He's pitching more to contact. He still can get a strikeout, but he's more a contact pitcher at this point in his career. It's like you can't bring him into the high leverage men on base, you, you, you one-run lead <laughs> type scenarios. Like right. bring him in a clean inning in the seventh inning. If he, if he pitches well, exactly. awesome. If he, if he starts to struggle, have someone hot ready to come in behind him. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I love Chad, but, you know, just uh, he's been passed by by a few guys. And like, look, and like, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like the way, like the way, let's, let's really talk about the guy who's number one on both our lists is Mike King. I mean, he's just been unbelievable. Obviously that outing where he had eight strikeouts and three innings was just unreal. But I mean, even in like 14 and two thirds innings, 10 hits, one run, three walks, 22 strikeouts. I mean, just a 0.89 whip. 0.16, ERA. I mean, just unreal. Like, and it's classic example of like, you know, so many people wanted the Yankees to make him a starter, and they're like, oh, we're gonna put him in the bullpen first, and he's now our best bullpen arm one month into the season, right? I mean, it seems like the Yankees do this a lot, and who knows? I, there's a good chance Mike King will be a starter next year, right? He'll be in our rotation. Who knows? But for now, I mean, he's he's an absolute just dynamite piece to have in our bullpen i mean it's been so awesome to watch him yeah it's gonna be curious to see how they they actually use him go forward because mm-hmm. the more he gets in the games the more he, he goes out and dominates but he still does in my mind at least have that he's gonna pitch two or three times a week 
multiple innings type thing, which is really useful. And, and in some cases, if you're holding on to a one or two run lead and you need to eat multiple innings because you don't want to burn up your entire bullpen, he's a great guy to have. But I don't know if he's the kind of guy who you want pitching four or five times a week for one inning at a time. Uh, right. I think, however, they figured out like his niche role. It's it's working right now, and keep him right there. Uh, and you look at someone like like Clark Schmidt, who occupied a similar role, but they see as a starter, and they want to get him stretched out. He got sent down to Triple to A today, with the roster is contracting from 28 to 26 mm-hmm. starting Monday. So along with he uh, was kind of playing a similar long man in, in the bullpen role. But the Yankees do for sure want him to be a starter, so they gotta make sure he stays stretched out. Absolutely. Um... All right, Andrew, let's, uh, let's finish the show up with uh, previewing a pretty big series this week in Toronto, north of the border, against the Blue Jays, who I mean, it's pretty much them, it's them and us right now as the two best teams in the AL, right? I mean, they're currently 15-8, and eight, coming off a big series win against Houston. Um, it was a crazy game today. I mean, Gosman pitched. George Springer made like a diving catch in right field in the ninth inning, one-run game. Uh, very good game, but I mean, look, the Blue Jays, and we all expected this, right? They're damn good, man. Uh, pitching matchups this week for these three games. We got Stripling versus Gumby. We got Manoa versus Tyone, and then we got Kikuchi versus Cortez. So luckily we miss out on Gosman, who's been absolutely insane, but who's been equally insane, arguably even more insane, is Alex Manoa, who's currently 4-0 with a 1.44 ERA and a .88 whip. So yeah, no, yeah. Remember yeah, that, that dude uh, completely owns us. I'm not looking yeah, forward to that game say, at all. <laughs> I'm like, he's had, let's just say he's had a few good starts against us. And, oh, yeah, they still got that of uh, that guy, Vladdy kid, who uh, hit, like, three home runs off Garrett Cole last time we played him. So, you know, and obviously the next game he struck out uh, four times. Uh, just that's baseball, Susan. But, yeah, definitely going to be a big series. Obviously, our first trip to Toronto. I, everyone on the Yankees is not vaxxed, so that's no longer an issue. Thank God. Um Allegedly, allegedly, said that, but we'll find out for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, breaking the Yankee member of the Yankees has fake vaccine card. It's kicked out of Canada. Can't wait to see that headline. Um, oh my but, God, Evander <laughs> Kane scene. <laughs> but yeah, Andrew, uh, how are we feeling though? Because look, like we like we've prefaced a few times already the show, nine in a row, but it was against the Guardians, the O's, and the Royals. Three teams that, let's be real, none of those teams are probably winning eighty games. Now, the Yankees still did what they needed to do, but, hey, it's a different story when you go up against a team like the Blue Jays, who have great pitching, have great hitting, and, you know, are going to be a thorn in our side probably the foreseeable future, right? I was going to say this year, but it's probably going to be at least the next few years. So, yeah, this for is a sure. big With series. Core they have, they're, they're primed mm-hmm. to be good for, for a long time. Uh, you touched on it. Not having to face Kevin Gosman because he pitched today yep. is a huge win for us. Uh, certainly, we still have to go through Alec Manoa, who's owned RS uh, since he made his debut last year. But yeah, the the Toronto Blue Jays are are for sure. I I know this is going to seem like heat of the moment because once Tampa Bay gets really hot in June, I'll, I could say the same thing about them. But like for sure, they're the big, Toronto's the biggest concern to, to Yankees fans right now. Uh, Absolutely, we we had we had that four game series in New York where we split. Uh, that that was still when the Yankees were still kind of finding their footing. And you'd like to take more than just a split at home and hang on for dear life when you're on the road. But yeah, the Yankees are coming in white hot, albeit against weaker competition. But this is going to be a good barometer for where this team is. Now, if they go and they return to the same kind of offensive strides that we saw the first week or so of the season, I think the red flags come right back up. And I don't think we're unjustified in feeling that way, right? Because, yeah, it's great. Look, if you're going to make the playoffs, you got to get fat off the bad teams. So, like, there's nothing wrong with beating exactly. the bad teams and like, making sure you pad 80, 90 wins into your whole season by getting most of them against those teams. But at a certain point, you got to show that you can play with the big dogs. And the Yankees split, which is okay, but I really want to see them – go out and take it to Toronto and really impose their will. The offense is starting to click. Allegedly, again, we're going to have a full lineup. Uh, this is really the, the first big test of the season with, with both teams right at the top of the standings and playing really well. Absolutely. And another thing to mention, obviously, Jordan Romano, Blue Jays closer, who's been phenomenal, already has 11 saves. He pitched both Saturday and Sunday, so probably not going to be available uh Monday, which is definitely a plus if the Yankees get down and you know there's a safe situation. But 
yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's so funny because that you look back at that first series and obviously, you know, the Yankees and Blue Jays, two of like, you know, the, some of the most imposing power hitters in both those lineups in the league. And the four scores of those four games were three, nothing, four, nothing, six, four, three, nothing. Right, like three of the four games ended with one of the teams getting shut out. So, I mean, both these teams, their pitching has been very good, right? Very uh, better than expected, I would say. Like, obviously, you know, we mentioned already Manoa, how great he's been and how he always does well against the Yankees. So, you know, <laughs> like, I hate, I don't want to be negative, but like, and I know, you know, the winning streak is online, but I'm kind of just looking at like, all right, if we could win Monday and Wednesday and then just, you know, put Tuesday, let's, let's just face it. Like, you know, I love Tyone, but Tuesday is going to be a tough game to win. Right. Like they have their pitcher who's been the hottest. We have our pitcher who's, you know, he's been good, but definitely tie owned against that lineup in Toronto with their currently their best pitcher on the mound. That's definitely one that you got to you got to almost not chalk up as a loss, but you look at that and say, all right, this we're kind of up against it here in this game. But look, taking two or three from Toronto this week would be absolutely massive because you look at the Blue Jays schedule like. The Yankees have been playing tough teams. Like the Blue Jays had to play two series against Houston this month or in April, and they won both, right? They took two or three from them this past weekend, and then two weekends or the previous week they took two out of three. So, I mean, they've been playing some like a much tougher schedule than the Yankees, and you know they're still fifteen and eight, right? Only a game and a half behind us. So, they're a damn good team, man. Like they scare the absolute hell out of me. Like I'm just like I've said that multiple times, and I I still believe in that, man. They are just such a good team all around. I mean, Bichette, Springer, Vladdy, like they're just, they're just so good. And like I said, this we all knew their lineup was going to be that scary, but oh, now they have like you know Manoa and Gosman, and you know Barrios hasn't been great. But, you know, you know, he's got he's got it in him to just turn it on and be like an ace, ace material. So, yeah, that's a scary team over there. Um, yeah. And, and unfortunately for us, it's not even just the three games coming up this week against Toronto. Uh, five of the next eight games are against them. You get yeah. Yankees return home uh, later in the week for three games against the Texas Rangers, I believe. And then Toronto comes right back in for a second series in New York. So um, that's only a two game series. But still, like five of our next eight games are against them. So like, this is a, a, an early spot in the division uh, in the season where the division, I, I'm not going to say it's going to be won or lost, but you could definitely make up ground one way or the other. Uh, I, ideally you'd like to win at least three of those five games, but look, like, you just got to take it one at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the team like the blue, like, like I said, like, look, obviously we have the nine game winning streak, but against a team like the blue Jays, like, Winning two or three would be an absolute huge win. I mean, obviously sweeping Toronto in Toronto would be just massive as well. But yeah, you, you just a team like the Blue Jays, you can't just expect to sweep them, right? It's just what it is. But uh, Andrew, any uh, final thoughts we have before wrapping it up? Uh, I see the uh, I see the Mets took over on Sunday Night Baseball against the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies pitching very bad. Uh, Kyle Schwarber not bad though. Kyle Schwarber, not bad. Bryce Harper, not bad. Uh, the Phillies bullpen, bad. Uh, the <laughs> Phillies' ability to not hit opposing batters, bad. Uh, the Mets' ability to understand that they're not the only team in baseball that's getting hit by pitches, bad. That's uh, <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah. Apparently, there, were, there was more beef tonight, but like, like I, I get when, when you're – the victim of it the most, right? It, it's the same. Like if right. you can think of like any social situation where uh, anyone is, is targeted for for a certain thing, they start thinking it's because of you know, the way they look, their religion, the the way they dress, anything like that, right? Like and it could just be completely circumstantial. Um, and, and so that I get the Mets get hit a bunch more than the other team. They think, hey, <laughs> their people are throwing at us. It's like, no, nah, they just they don't know how to how to throw the ball. But at a at certain the same point, time, like, enough's enough. You don't want to yeah. you, you don't want to deal with it anymore. At, like, look, at a certain point, the way numbers work, like, yo, there has to be a team that gets hit the most. It's just like the the way shit works, you know, like there's going to be a team that gets hit the most. There's going to be a team that gets hit the less. Like, I don't think it's exactly like targeted like that. But, yeah, I mean, look right now, man, the two best teams in the base, the two best records in baseball are the Yankees at 16 and six and the Mets at 16 and seven. So, yeah, so like, all, 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 real fun this year. Doing pretty are doing pretty good. You had uh, the Giants and Jets had a. Uh, Pretty good weekends at the draft. Uh, you got the Rangers going to yep. playoffs. New York sports ha- have a little bit of a 
a little bit of life. I don't want to say an ego, but there's a little bit of a confidence that that, that we haven't really had uh, in a while. And certainly that that starts with, I think baseball is and forever will be the number one sport in mm-hmm. in, in this city. And granted, we're we're certainly biased, uh, but and I, 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 there's diehard New York Jets fans who would give their their firstborn child to have <laughs> to have the Jets with the Super Bowl, and they don't care about any other team that they root for. Like, but like. It's really, really going to be fun watching these two teams in pennant races the entire summer. Now, hopefully, uh, at least for our sake, the Yankees can keep it up. I don't know if they're going to be sitting at the top of the division all year. Uh, we we had our own concerns about them throughout the, the offseason and the first few weeks of the season. Uh, it's going to be a slugfest, especially with four good teams in the division. Uh, the Mets may have an easier run, but... Of course, the Mets also look like World Series favorites every April, and then they mm-hmm. fall off, so who the hell does? Yep, and obviously DeGrom's still out. He should be back in a few weeks, but, you know, who knows with that. Yeah, um, who needs who needs Jacob DeGrom when you got Tyler McGill, man? He's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? Let's give a shout-out to the Mets for pitching a, a fake mm-hmm, no-hitter. No, it's yep. a real no-hitter, but, like, 160 pitches, like six walks. But I guess credit to them for their no-hitter on mm-hmm. Friday night. It's one of the it's always, like no hitters are always funny like that because I said it's only the second one in Mets history and you think of like all the great pitchers the Mets have had and you're like damn that like they've only had they only had one no well the first one that. was fraudulent too <laughs> yeah you had who yeah, was it right. was it was either Matt Holiday or Carlos Beltran hit that that rip double right down the line that like clearly landed on the white line and they called it foul and they didn't have replay mm-hmm. review back then and if or they the did re- it would have been called a fair ball and the no hitter wouldn't have uh, would have been over right there but. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not here to to, to ruin everything we, that that Mets fans live we, in and breathe. We digress, but uh, I think they'll be about just about wrap it up for us here tonight. Um, like we said, it's been a real what a great week of Yankees baseball. We got a big series coming up against the Blue Jays, right? Going to be re- hopefully a try. I was going to say it's going to be real fun, but you can't guarantee that when you're facing a great team like that, right? It could be real bad. They could be. You know, a fucking home run derby north of the border, right? With those guys, you, you never know. I just gotta gotta be careful with that team. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, hopefully, Vladdy doesn't hit three home runs again. Uh, that would be nice. He'll probably. I'm expecting him to hit at least one, but you know, you gotta take that. But for Luigi, for Andrew, this was the Bronx Mara Bow Podcast, brought to you by Six Pack Coverage, and we'll see you guys next time.